You might be able to survive one of these five-game losing streaks, but uh, you're not surviving two of them. Glimmers of the way everyone expected the Islanders to play this season. And now the Islanders are coming home, and the Islanders have to be looking at this game. Holy mackerel, they're saying, we have got to beat Buffalo at home. It's been meh to sub-meh. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 68. And has it snowed enough yet? Seriously, enough with the snow. And actually, it's probably fitting that the Islanders' next two games are against the Buffalo Sabres, right? Hi, I'm Andrew Gross of Newsday. Please find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday and also via Newsday Islander Texts. Your direct connection to one-on-one communication with me and other Newsday staffers covering the team. Text 631-303-3766. That that texting number again is 631-303-3766. Or go to newsday.com backslash Isles text to start your 14-day trial subscription. And on this episode... I'll talk to Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News about the upcoming two-game series between the Islanders and Sabres, as well as some Andrews answers. The Islanders open a three-game homestand with games against the Sabres on Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, The Sabres did have to delay their team flight uh, from Buffalo to Long Island from Monday afternoon to Tuesday morning because of the storm, and then the Islanders also face the Penguins on Saturday. It's part of a stretch of five of six games at Nassau Coliseum, with the one road game being against the Rangers at the Garden next Monday, uh, after the Islanders started the season playing seven of nine on the road. And as I wrote for Newsday, which you can find at newsday.com backslash aisles, Obviously, playing at the Coliseum, coming off a bad road trip, might not be the uh, natural elixir it could have been in previous seasons, when the team might have gotten a boost from the home crowd. COVID, obviously, is keeping the fans out of the Coliseum, but the the, the team still believes it will have a home ice advantage just by being at home in their own beds, uh, seeing their own families. Uh, and, and the team has won its two home games so far. one uh, nothing win over the Bruins and a 4-1 win over the Devils. But the Islanders certainly now have ground to make up in the East Division, so they'll need to be very productive on this homestand. Uh, we'll talk more in depth with Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News in a few minutes, but I, I watched both of the Sabres games this weekend against the Devils. Uh, the Devils are a fast-skating team, uh, as they showed against the Islanders, but the, the Sabres seem to match them pretty much stride for stride, and I, I really don't think this is last season's Sabres. I, I like the movement they had on their power play. Ralph Kruger at times had Jack Eichel on with Taylor Hall. That hasn't been the way... The coaches played it a lot this season after starting that way, but you, you got to think when those two are on the ice together, that's one of the most potentially dangerous pairings in the NHL. And, and the question to me about the Sabres, and it was uh, the same one I had before the season, is, is are they going to get the goaltending to keep them in a playoff race? 
I wrote before the Islanders embarked, embarked upon that uh, often, uh, you know, hard to watch five game road trip that how the Islanders season ultimately turned could be decided during that week. And of course, when I wrote those words, I was not expecting an 0-3 and 2 trip uh, at, at different times. The offense, then the defense, and then the special teams, all at one point or another, all three units all looked really horribly out of sync at times. And then uh, there were other times there, there were glimmers of the way everyone expected the Islanders to play this season, uh, which was with more consistency and, and certainly with fewer losses uh, coming off that, uh, you know, we keep talking about it, but 22 postseason games and a run to the Eastern Conference Finals, you, you're certainly coming into the season looking to build on that, not not fall back. Uh, Trips started with a 2-0 loss to the Devils and Scott Wedgwood. It continued with a 3-2 loss to the Capitals on a last-minute goal, and then a 6-3 loss to the Caps after the Islanders led 3-0 after one period. And then came the 3-2 overtime loss on Philly after the Islanders just looked absolutely awful in the first period, uh, but managed to rally and at least get that one point. And then came Sunday's 4-3 overtime loss at Philly as the Islanders played really, really well in the first period, but still trailed one nothing. And then looked awful in the second period, but then again rallied from a two-goal deficit in the third period to salvage another point. Still, that's five straight losses in a 56-game season. It, you, you really can't afford more than one of those lengthy losing streaks and, and still hope to make the playoffs. So, what's gone wrong? Uh, here, here are a couple of thoughts. One, what's going on with Brock Nelson? Uh, he doesn't seem as assertive as he should be in the offensive zone. He's not the playmaker he was in the postseason. He's taken some bad penalties. The Islanders it can't be a one-line team, and too often, if Matthew Barzell's line with Anders Lee and now Josh Bailey instead of uh, Jordan Eberle because coach Barry Trotch just felt the need to separate Josh Bailey from Brock Nelson in an effort to get both of them going. Uh, the, the two just seem to be dragging each other down. But when that Barzell line is not producing, uh, too often the Islanders haven't been producing. And, and you know, while, while we're talking about Matthew Barzell, he's, he's again leading uh, the team in scoring. He's got a four-point, uh, a four-game point streak heading into that first Sabres game. Yet, kind of oddly for Matthew Barzell, he's leading the team in penalty minutes. He's got 24 penalty minutes uh, already, uh, including seven minors. He did have one 10-minute misconduct. And uh, uh, when I asked Barry Trotz about that after uh, Sunday's loss in Philly, and remember Barzell was in the box for a, for a high sticking in overtime when Kevin Hayes scored the winner. Uh, Barry was pretty succinct in saying, you know, it's, it, it's really got to stop. They need Matthew Barzell on the ice, not in the penalty box. And the coach was planning to talk to his top-line center uh, towards correcting that penalty minutes uh, issue he's had so far this season. Two, What's going on with the identity line? Because Casey Sezikis, Matt Martin, and Cal Clutterbuck have just not been getting the Islanders engaged uh, to start games like we're accustomed to seeing. It's a real issue uh, because not only is Trotz 
uh, not getting what he needs from that trio, but it, it's sort of hard breaking them up. Um, you know, breaking them up might not be the answer. I mean, at least in my observation, the three of them together, it's always, you know, the, the sum has been greater uh, than the individual parts. And I always feel like one member of that line is missing. The, the, the whole line kind of breaks down a little bit. And now with, with the whole line not going, I, I think it's a really tough decision uh, for Trotz as to what to do with it, how long to stick with it. Three, Barry Trotz still hasn't settled on wings for uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Rookies Oliver Wallstrom and Kiefer Bellows seem to be gaining some traction in the lineup uh, through Saturday, a couple of games. And, and then Trotz inserted Dmitro Timoshov and Austin Zarnik off the taxi squad for Sunday's game. Now, probably playing on back-to-back nights played a role in that decision, maybe a, a really big role, and, and also... So did wanting to see what they could do with Zarnik and Timoshov, uh, two off-season acquisitions. Uh, still, there, there hasn't been much continuity. And, and to be fair, I, I did like what I saw from Zarnik, who, who also got to play on the power play. And, and perhaps Zarnik winds up as a more useful part than, you know, Ross Johnson, Michael Dalcal, or Leo Komarov. Uh, the other wings that have gotten turns with Jean-Gabriel Pajot, and, and we all know Lou Lamarillo, certainly, you know, uh, he appears to like Timoshov from their time together in Toronto, went out and reacquired uh, Timoshov this offseason, so it's not like, you know, those guys are, are not going to get other chances in the lineup, but still, they're, they're, you know, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, you know, is still looking to see at the lineup board to see which wings he's playing with on a, on a nightly basis. Four, the power play went two for 18 on the road trip. That's one for six on Sunday. And yes, this is a broken record. Trotz made some alterations on Sunday. He used Zarnik on on Barzell's unit. He moved Ryan Pulak uh, to the Nick Letty, Brock Nelson, J.G. Pajot, Josh Bailey unit. Um, But this has been an issue dating to Trotz's first season with the team. And, And now if the Islanders are going to struggle five on five... Um, you know, in the past, the Islanders could always rely on their five-on-five play to kind of get them through games, but that hasn't really been the case this season. So if if special teams, uh, the power play is not clicking, this this really could be a, a long season. And, and five, we saw Ilya Sorokin uh, make his third NHL start on Sunday, and, and yay, the the Islanders finally scored a goal, finally scored three goals for him. And, and I thought Sorokin looked much better uh, on Sunday than he had in his first two starts. I mean, you, you just throw away that second game of the season, the 5 nothing loss to the Rangers. Uh, we, we all know Semyon Varlamov gets hit by Cal Clutterbuck's shot in pregame warm-ups. And Sorokin, the rookie, has basically 18 minutes to prepare for his NHL debut. And, you know, Trotz said that wasn't fair to Sorokin, wasn't fair to Varlamov, wasn't fair to the team. So we we, we throw that one out, right? Even though we were a little concerned 
at some of the ways Sorokin maybe played the angles, played the pucks, how he positioned himself in net, right? But we throw that first one out, and then, you know, he gets a game at New Jersey to start the road trip 2-0. He didn't look all that great in the first period, and then he was much better over the last 40 minutes. Still, you know, you give up two goals, you should have a chance to win. The Islanders did not get him a goal in that game either. So, 4-3 overtime loss on, on Sunday. I, I thought Sorokin, you know, he made at least two spectacular saves in that game. But he's still not as calm in the net as he needs to be. You know, he's, he's moving around a little bit. Uh, I, I think he still is off his angles a little bit. Uh, it, watch Semyon Varlamov when he's on his game. He 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 really doesn't move. Uh, you know he's he's square to the puck all the time. He controls his rebounds and and Sorokin, uh, you know, it just doesn't seem as confident on his angles yet. Um, he's been able, you know, shooters have been able to uh, get him up high a couple of times. You know, I, I really wonder, and again, this is in a normal season. I, I really wonder if sometime in the AHL would have done Sorokin some good. Um, but this season, uh, we, the Bridgeport Sound Tigers are only playing 24 games. And that's between uh, starting this Friday and going all the way through May 8th. That's only 24 games. It's mostly going to be about, uh, you know, one-on-one coaching and development work and practice. Um, so really, how much would Sorokin gain uh, with the Sound Tigers as compared to staying with the Islanders. You know, with the Islanders, and I think it probably is better, this spe- this season I'm talking about, it's probably better to keep Sorokin with the big club because he's working on a daily basis here with director of goaltending Mitch Korn and, and goalie coach Piero Greco. So uh, those are my thoughts. But before we get to those of Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News, Here's how you can subscribe to Newsday Islanders Techs. Get the latest on the New York Islanders when you sign up to receive text alerts all season long. Newsday's Andrew Gross will text you real-time analysis and behind-the-scenes reporting for $4.99 a month. Go to newsday.com slash text to get started or text 631-303-3766. That's 631-303-3766 or online at newsday.com slash text. And as I keep teasing, I'm, I'm thrilled to be joined by my friend here, Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News, who... Uh, you know, <laughs> he's up in Buffalo. He's not getting any snow while we're all out digging out here. But, uh, Mike, what's the uh, weather report for the Sabres and, uh, you know, what what we might see out of uh, them them trying to get to Long Island? Andrew, I got to mock you guys. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> a disaster snowstorms in New York City, not in Buffalo. Um the Sabres on Monday were supposed to fly to Long Island. They canceled the flight and just had a regular practice and decided they're going to try it again Tuesday morning. Uh, We'll see if that happens. I mean, they don't seem to think it's a big issue, but I know what I'm reading that it might be an issue. So we'll see if this game goes. They seem to think it will, but they're just going to fly in and go to the hotel and forget about the morning skate and go to the rink and go play and see what happens. Yeah, no, it's it's always amusing to us or, or to me when when the problem is on our end and you you snow veterans kind of laugh at us. But I, I remember a game when I was covering the Rangers. I think it was the Halloween, uh, right on Halloween, and we got a horrible snowstorm. And uh, 
you know, Bruce Garriac and the Ottawa, the Ottawa Senators media crew showed up at the Garden. And when they took off from Ottawa, it was a beautiful day and they get to Madison Square Garden. It's kind of hell on earth. So <laughs> they, you, you, you just know. don't know. And, and it's funny that, you know, I, I had a canceled flight and I, I was telling you off air, this is the first time in 14 years I might miss a game if this goes off Tuesday because of a snowstorm. And it's not a snowstorm in Buffalo. It's a snowstorm in New York. And we, we might laugh at people in New York and places like that, how they deal with snow. No, no, no. This one's a serious one. We would consider this a serious one in Buffalo too, with the amount of snow and the amount of wind. So you're not you're not in any minor league snowstorm here. No, no, no. I, everyone has their own tolerance. But hey, listen, it just hockey related. I, I watched both of the Sabers games against uh, the Devils this weekend, and I, I came away mainly impressed with what I'm seeing from the team. I, I think it's an improved team, but I still have the one question I had going into the season, which is, is, is goaltending going to sink this team? So wh wh what's your scouting report on the Sabres? It, it's hard right now with the goaltending. Linus Allmark's been really up and down during games, but he's been dynamite in shootouts. As a matter of fact, Linus is second all-time in save percentage in shootouts for guys who had more than 20 attempts against him. That's something to keep in mind for the next couple of games. Carter Hutton had an up-and-down game yesterday. Really just some weird goals went in against him. He had missed... 12 days with a concussion. So that was his first game back. Um, the goaltending was the number one flashpoint issue going into the season. It really hasn't been that terrible so far. To me, the bigger issue has been the lack of offense from some of their star players. But yeah, eventually you're going to need more saves than they're getting at times. Um, I, I'm still kind of baffled at some of the goals yesterday. And the great stat from yesterday, the all-time great stat, the Sabres became the second team in history to give up a goal in the final 20 seconds of all three periods in the same game. <laughs> I mean, they gave up a goal with 16.1 seconds left in the first. They gave up a killer, an absolute killer to Miles Wood with six yeah. tenths of a second left in the second. And then Wood had the empty netter with eight seconds left in the third. But uh, that that's a great stat. That That is a great stat. I mean, not Think as... about the history of the league. <laughs> well, Two times in the history of the league and they pull it off. Sabres have made a lot of history that has not always been great through the years. You know, it's yeah. been, a, been a while since the franchise made the playoffs, but they, there was hope going into the season. You signed the former Hart Trophy winner, Taylor Hall. And I mean, when he's on the ice with Jack Eichel, and I know Ralph Kruger doesn't always have him on the same line, correct? Yeah, he started the season a few games. They've been broken up lately. It hasn't, it hasn't worked real well. I don't think you're going to see it tomorrow. I think Eichel is going to play with Victor Olsson and either Sam Reinhardt if he's healthy or Casey Middlestat, and Hall's going to be back with Eric Stahl and Dylan Cousins. Well, and Stahl's another guy. I mean, and I guess, you know, you're trying to maybe kickstart something out of Jeff Skinner by, uh, <laughs> by bringing Stahl in. <laughs> Well, Jeff Skinner, and this is my point, is so many of these guys are just, you're baffled with the scoring end of it. Here's a guy on the second year of his eight-year $72 million deal that he got playing alongside Eichel where he created a 40-goal season, but he didn't score much the last 20 games that year. Has 14 goals last year, and here we are through 10 games this year. He's got none, zero, zip, nada, zilch. You got a nine million dollar a year fourth liner with no goals now they've been a pretty good line Skinner's played largely with Curtis Lazar and Riley Sheehan they haven't finished 
I mean, Skinner hasn't finished. He's had a lot of scoring chances, but it's a big talking point up here is what are they going to do about Jeff Skinner with six more years on this deal? It, it, forget about the NHL, Andrew. That might be the worst contract right now in all of professional sports, a $9 million winger who can't put the puck in the net. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, I, I know Islander fans might debate you with the Andrew Ladd contract, but, you know, that's Not bad. But uh, at least, you know, they're, you know, they were able to put Andrew Ladd in, in you know, the AHL, uh, which is, right. but, but they're only saving, was it 1.075 million against the Ed's deal? Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Skinner is certainly still what would be considered in the prime of his career and, and everything is just seemingly dried up for the poor guy. Yeah, it has, you know, he's now the active leader in career games played without ever appearing in the Stanley cup playoffs. Um, the Sabres have missed the playoffs nine years in a row. If they miss the playoffs this year, they will tie the all time NHL record for consecutive years out of the playoffs. So there's a lot of negative history going on there that they're trying to stem and they're trying to turn around. And, and the one thing, Andrew, that really is bothersome to people here, you know, Kevin Adams, the new GM made a lot of moves and they were in good shape. I think in the Atlantic division, when you think of Detroit and Ottawa and probably Florida, they're not going to be in good shape in the East division as constructed in 2021. They got the short end of the realignment stick here, suddenly getting thrust into a division with the Capitals, the Penguins, the Flyers, the Islanders. That was not in the Buffalo Sabres offseason plan. And that really, they learned, they knew in November that was going to happen, but that was not what they were planning the entire offseason. And it really has thrown them for a loop. And then the schedule maker does them no favors. You know, people are crazy here about it. What's the first six games of the season? They play the Capitals four times and the Flyers twice. They at least emerged somewhat unscathed from that. And right now they've played four of their eight games against the Capitals, but come on the first six games of the year and you give them the flyers of the Capitals, they, they got no favors done. Right. I mean, the devils are, you know, they, they had their issues with the devils. And so, I mean, I guess, does that beg the question are, are the Islanders the soft underbelly of their schedule right now? Right now they are, but I think this is a bad time to meet the Islanders just coming off that five game road trip where they don't get a win. And now the Islanders are coming home and the Islanders have to be looking at this game. Holy mackerel. They're saying we have got to beat Buffalo at home to get this thing started on a turnaround here. I mean, they did get to overtime both games in Philly and didn't get a W out of it, but they have to be looking at, we have to come out, jump on them right away. And Buffalo has this propensity for never getting lead, never scoring first. And I really think the Islanders have to be targeting Tuesday as, you know, a pretty massive game for, game nine or 10, whatever it's going to be for them early in the year. But I mean, these games do matter more when there's only 56 of them. You really can't get into these kind of five game ruts. The Islanders are in right now and you see where they are in the standings. Yeah. And I, you might be able to survive one of these five game losing streaks, but uh, you're not surviving two of them in a, nope. in a 56 game season. Nope. I, I wanted to, we, we talked a little bit about Jack Eichel and I know, you know, he made news going into the off season of talking about his happiness and whether that was in Buffalo or, you know, what the, the direction the Sabres were taking. What's your take on his pulse right now? And, you know, is, is he recommitted to the Sabres or 
is this another guy that, you know, like Dubois and Lane that may wind up, you know, as part, you know, forcing it, forcing his way out of Buffalo at some point. Ah, there's my answer. To that. It's that's such a, that's such a contrived media blogger circus. People say, Oh, he's going to go to the Rangers. Oh, he's going to go on to go to Boston and go home. <laughs> no, he wants to win here. I've said this before. He wants his teammates to be better. He wants the GM to be better than they fired Jason Botterill. Because keep in mind what Jack Eichel said in the offseason. Jason Botterill said we need to draft, develop, prospects. Jack Eichel said, well, I'm not the GM, but we need some more grit and toughness, and we need veterans. We need veterans. Mm -hmm. So they got rid of Jason Botterill. They brought in Kevin Adams, and what did they do? They traded Marcus Johansson for Eric Stahl. Nice move. They signed Tobias Reeder, who has been a revelation here on the PK and scoring some goals. They go out and sign Taylor Hall. Those are moves that Jack Eichel has to love. Uh, this team hasn't scored like we thought. Um, Jack Eichel hasn't scored. He, he's got an injury that he dealt with from training camp. We believe it to be a shoulder injury. I think his shot isn't what it normally would be. He's only got two goals so far, but he is playing better. He's got a couple goals in the last few games and a couple shootout winners. So that helps. I mean, his game isn't where it needs to be. He knows that. But uh, I, I just think the idea of Jack Eichel wanting out of Buffalo, you know, how do you trade a guy with a $10 million cap hit? You know, I don't want five guys for Jack Eichel. And we've seen when the Sabres did a five for one, how well that worked, right? You know, yeah. Ryan O'Reilly's holding the cup and the con Smythe and the Sabres <laughs> got whoever they got, Berglund and Sabotka. And now they still have Tage Thompson. So no, it, it's a constant drumbeat story that in a salary cap world, I find completely unrealistic. You say he's hurt, but when Eichel is going well, where, where do you rank him in the league? How good is Jack? To me, when he's going well, and we saw it a lot of the time last year, he's a top 10 player in this league. The one issue you have when you have a player like that, if he doesn't win, if he doesn't have enough around him, if he can't lift his team and get to the playoffs, it's frustrating for him and it's frustrating for the fan base. You know, I did a study last year after the season. The only player in the history of the league who he compares to really for playoff futility, not getting there, who ended up in the Hall of Fame or as a top-rung player is Jerome McGinley. I think it was seven years before he made the playoffs. You know, Mario Lemieux was his first four years. The fifth year he made it. The sixth year he didn't. The seventh year he won the Stanley Cup. But there are very few guys drafted where Jack Eichel was number two overall. End up not playing in the playoffs. There's nobody who ever really makes the Hall of Fame with this kind of career track. So Jack Eichel certainly has to get into the playoffs here, get this team into the postseason. It's really been frustrating for him. And then on top of that, you see what happened. O'Reilly gets traded wins the cup. They terminate Zach Bogosian's contract, another close friend, Eichel. What does he do? Ends up in Tampa in the bubble, wins the cup. Jack Eichel can't even get to round one game one so far. So the Sabres really need to make a move here in that area. Bringing Taylor Hall in one year, it's 9 million, right? One year, 9 million for Taylor Hall. Which, eight. eight. I'm eight sorry. Million. One, one year, yeah. 8 million for Taylor Hall. I, I covered him with, with, with the Devils. He's a, uh, he's a very particular guy. He's, you know, he's, he's very serious about a lot of things. What, what have been your impressions of why he was attracted to Buffalo and, you know, is this going to work long-term for him or is this just, you know, another wayward stop for him? Well, the two reasons he was attracted, number one was the potential of playing with Eichel. 
And the big reason he was attractive was because of Ralph Kruger. Ralph Kruger was Taylor Hall's coach in Edmonton yeah. in 2013 and was an assistant coach at Edmonton the two years before. So they grew pretty close over those three years. That's the only reason I think Taylor Hall really listened to the overtures from the Buffalo Sabres. But as, as the market evolved and as Taylor Hall thought about it, you know, a one-year deal, kind of a bet-on-himself deal, was kind of what he thought he could do. And Ralph Kruger was a guy he felt could bring that out. Now, the funny part is Taylor Hall scored the Sabres' first goal of the season and hasn't scored a goal since. He's got eight assists, but they need to see more. Eichel's got two goals. Taylor Hall has one goal. Jeff Skinner has no goals. Old friend Kyle Ocpozo has no goals. That's four forwards on the Buffalo Sabres who make $33 million on their cap who have three goals. At some point, these guys are going to have to put the puck in the net or this team's going nowhere. I, I was going to ask, that was my next question about our old friend Kyle Ocpozo, who was certainly a fan favorite and, you know, one of the NHL's, you know, all-time good guys, really. But uh, All-time. All-time. And yeah. – I know it's getting later on in his career, but, you know, what does he bring to the team still? And and first of all, is he completely healthy? Because we know he's dealt with some health issues. Yeah, I mean, he obviously had some serious issues, concussion-related a couple of years ago. Right now, he was injured in the second training camp scrimmage this year, I think. You know, we don't know exactly what it was, but it's one of those lower body things, groin or something. He doesn't look real good on the ice right now. He doesn't have a point in the five games since he came back. He's on the third line. He's playing with Cody Eakin and Tobias Reeder. Um, you know, people have come to understand Ocpozo is not going to score a lot of goals, even though he's, they gave him a, you know, a contract where he makes $6 million a year. I still think Ocpozo can be a 15-goal guy. He's not going to be a 25 to 30-goal guy. You know, but he can't be zero. He can't be two, three, four. And that's a real problem right now. I think Pozo doesn't show more this season. That's a guy, as you head into the last year deal, you might buy that deal out. You, you might say that's it for him. You're certainly going to hope maybe Seattle takes him. But uh, they just have not been able to get a lot out of him on the ice on the statue. He's very good in the room. He's very well respected in the room. He's respected by the media. Obviously, he's a lightning rod for the fans understandably so but it just hasn't worked out it's one of you know you look at that 2016 free agent class whew, not good Ocpozo and David Backus and there was a bunch of them who signed for a lot of money that year who just have not produced this is the last go-round for the Coliseum do yeah. you have any uh you know any outstanding memories of you know your time in the building well you know the, the funny part is a lot of the games the Sabres have played since I've come to the Coliseum are very nondescript. You know, I can't, the only one I can think of is the tank year when they were tanking, they lost three, nothing in the last week of the season, there was a broken stick on the ice and one of the defensemen passed the puck into the broken stick and it turned into a breakaway for the Islanders. <laughs> but in terms of the Buffalo Sabres, the biggest memory they have of Nassau Coliseum is really game six in 1980 in the semifinals where the Islanders wrapped up the series to go to their first cup final. And Billy Smith gave Lindy Ruff the stick in the eye as Lindy Ruff was coming by the goal crease and no one saw it. The officials didn't see it. Lindy Ruff tackled Billy Smith. Jim Schoenfeld wanted at him. And that's a play and that lives in Buffalo infamy, the, the butt end of the Billy Smith stick in Lindy Ruff's eye. And I was at the NHL 100 in L.A. in 2017, 20 feet away. There was Billy Smith. And I didn't have time to talk to him, but I almost wanted to duck 
thinking he's going to have a stick brandished in his suit coat. He's going to hit me in the eye like Lindy Ruff. <laughs> That's the classic Islanders Buffalo play in Nassau Coliseum. It lives forever. Am I correct on this? Lindy Ruff still does not necessarily have a sense of humor about that play, does he? No, and Lindy Ruff does not, and uh, most people in Buffalo do not, because that was a all-time cheap, dirty, underhanded move. It would easily get a massive suspension now, but in 1980, that's how the NHL rolled, and there was no nobody saw it. There was only one official, one referee back then. Nobody saw it. The camera on the corner, the rink, was the only thing that caught it. But yeah, it was. Not good. And realistically, Lindy Ruff was a rookie that year. That could have ruined his career. He played yeah. another 10 years in the league. He could have been done right away that night. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's funny. I mean, Billy, absolutely fearless out there, you know, but he did force his teammates into some ugly situations protecting him. But if you've got, oh, sure. <laughs> if you've got Lindy Ruff and Jim Schoenfeld mad at you, the, the chances of you getting hurt are, are pretty good. Those. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. wouldn't mess with either of those guys. No. And, you know, and it was a tough moment. Game six of the semifinals. It's not like Billy Smith decided he was going to do that on October 18th. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, and that, of course, was towards the end of, you know, a really good era. You know, the, the Sabres it really, it's amazing how quickly they got up to speed as an expansion team. You know, everyone talks about the Islanders being good by 75 and then, you know, winning those four Stanley Cups. But the Sabres get to the 75 Cup final against the Flyers with the French connection. And, that you know, they did everything right. And it really looked like they were set up for uh, long-term success as a franchise. They were. And really what happened was they were in the playoffs in year three. They were in the Cup final in year five. They couldn't beat the Islanders. Year six, they lost in the first round. They lost in six games, and they were swept the next year by the Islanders in four games. And then in 1980, when maybe the Sabres were actually the best team under Scotty Bowman, they had home ice advantage. The Islanders came into Buffalo, won the first two games, won that series in six. That's a team that a lot of people in Buffalo think could have won the cup. It was the year the Islanders won the first cup. So the three chances they had in the 70s in the playoffs against the Islanders, they went 0 for 3. Yeah, yeah, well... We'll see. I mean, you know, with playoffs within the division, you know, they, they could meet again this season, but I, I would say the odds of both teams getting in, you know, or, you know, one, one of the two might make it. I don't, I don't know about both getting in this season. Yeah. I think we're already seeing to me, Washington, Boston, and probably Philly, even though the numbers aren't great in Philly seem to really be the three headliners and then yeah. we're going to see who else sneaks in how good is pittsburgh can the islanders figure it out does buffalo figure it out that's really what to me i'm going to be watching because you know i i think if buffalo makes it they're basically looking at fourth place they're going to have to sneak in and finish fourth but uh i'm impressed by washington right now still without a, a regulation loss even without their guys for four games i'm very impressed with boston Crew gone, Chara gone, Pasternak hurt. They, they have really got off to a much better start. And so they're kind of head and shoulders above people. The Flyers are coming back to earth a little. But the Islanders, frankly, are the big disappointment in the division right now. There's no question about it. I mean, coming off the Eastern Conference final, and then you're just going to have to see about, you know, Buffalo and New Jersey. And, and then the Rangers, I think, the Rangers look pretty good to me to be the worst team in this division, I would yeah. say. I mean, even though they played okay in Buffalo, they got a win in overtime on the Lafreniere goal, but they, they just don't have 
a lot of depth in that lineup or goaltending. I think they're going to finish last. Yeah, yeah, they they might be a season away from really kind of yeah. putting it together with the young guys. But Mike, listen, safe travels, and I will see you at the Coliseum hopefully on Thursday. And uh, I really appreciate you uh, hopping aboard and giving us your insight. Andrew, always a pleasure. And yeah, the Coliseum, I'm glad to get a couple more chances to go. I'm looking forward to any new arena, but the Coliseum has a certain pull in the magnetism of history and everything that's happened there. I always enjoy it. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, A lot to digest there with Mike. And now a lot of questions to digest with Andrew's Answers. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. And we take the majority of these questions via into via interaction on Newsday Islanders text. And we'll start with Al, who who says, I agree uh, on the inconsistency shown by the Islanders. Timoshov, and then we're we're talking about Sunday's game, Timoshov was not used often. Al thinks he really handled the puck well. Zarnak was uh, Zarnik was also very good. I like them. With Bellows and Wallstrom, much better replacement players over Komarov and Johnson. They provide skill and will. What about the fourth line? I'm not seeing consistency from either. And Clutterbuck really has lost his game. His shot is totally off, and he does have a great shot. Those guys are starting to lose their holding in the lineup without their usual effectiveness. Also, the faceoffs have slipped, uh, speaking about the fourth line. And, uh, you know, just going through that, I, you know, I, I agree a little bit. You know, Timoshov did not play in the third period or overtime on Sunday, so limited ice time. Did seem like he got in on the forecheck, and uh, it always seemed like his feet were moving. But, you know, if he's not... But if he's on the bench for the 25 minute, the last final 25 minutes, how much is he really helping the lineup if, if Trotz is kind of cutting it down? Um, you know, next time we talk to Barry, and this was not asked after the game on Sunday, but I have to ask Barry if uh, if uh, Demetrio got hurt or whether that was a coach's decision. But I, I really think the way forward for this team is with Kiefer Bellows and Wallstrom both playing. Uh, you know, again, I, I really think the move on Sunday to take him out was very much based on, on a back-to-back games. Plus, Trotz feeling this was the opportunity to take a peek at, at Timoshov and Zarnik on, on the back. To back, I, I I did really like Zarnik better of the two. Uh, first of all, he's a bigger body. I, I thought he was okay and active on the power play. And a, a, as for the fourth line, you know, a, a, as I mentioned in the lead seg- segment, yeah, it is not sending uh, the identity at all. It's called the identity line, and it, it, it's not setting that identity at all. And that of being, you know, the hardworking get in on the four-check team, uh, the, the relentless team that the Islanders need to be to have success. To, you know, getting all those little cliched details correctly, winning the puck battles, winning the battles on the wall, you know, winning the face-offs. And, you know, I, I shouldn't bring that up. The Islanders are, are greatly improve, improved in the, in the face-off circle this season. So scratch that. But, and, and, you know, Matt Martin did have eight hits the other night as he played in his 700th career game. But uh, overall, I'm noticing a dip in, in the physical play uh, from the fourth line, the identity line. Um, and, and, and that, to me, that's all troubling, really. Um, Eric asks, 
When Anthony Beauvillier is back, who do you see as the third line once Trot settles on three lines or on three consistently? Unless you think it's more likely that the situation with the third line remains fluid throughout the year, I, I do not think that Barry Trotz is looking to have a, a fluid third line through the season. I do think he wants to pick his his wings for Gigi Pajot. Um My my first thought there is that. You know, when Bevilier comes back, maybe he goes back with Nelson, at least to start, uh, to, to get Brock going there. But then again, you know, that line that was so good in the postseason, uh, Nelson with Bo and, and Bales, um, you know, just wasn't going even before Bovillier got hurt. He's, he had one assist in his five games. Barry Trotz did not give a timetable on Anthony Bovillier. But he was hopeful that at some point this week, uh, you know, this homestand maybe, they, they can work Beauvillier back into practice and, and maybe think about when he'd be able to get back in the lineup. So, you know, my first thought was maybe he goes back with Nelson, but then then I'm thinking maybe would it be better if you get Bellows with Nelson and Everly and and again, Trotz flip-flops Bailey and Everly, mainly to, you know, get Bailey going and get Nelson going. I thought Everly was okay with Nelson. So, you know, uh, Trotz has used Bellows there before. So maybe Bellows, Nelson, Everly, and then you get Beauvillier with Pajot and Wallstrom. I'm really curious to see Beauvillier play with Pajot. I, I think they would kind of have that chemistry together that, you know, Derek Broussard and uh, Pajot had. And, 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 and it's not because, you know, uh, Brass and Pajot could speak French with each other and both, you know, are both French Canadians. And, and the same deal with, uh, with Bo and Pajot. That, that's, you know, that, that does help with the communication. But I, I just like the way, you know, Pajot and Beauvillier are both really good skaters and both really good two-way players. And then you add Wallstrom's big shot um, Bo and Pajot can make a pass. I, I think that trio would be, you know, kind of good. Uh, I, I, I do. Um, let's see. Yeah, you know, uh, again, and, and, and I do think Trotz is wanting to find some, you know, consistency with Pajot. Um, Mike also asking on the subject says, Andrew, uh, do you think the Islanders are any closer to settling on a somewhat regular lineup up front, or are we going to continue to see a rotating cast of wingers? Uh, also, any news regarding Bo's return? Uh, no timetable, again, hopefully this week. Um, again, you know, uh, Bailey, I, I think I think Bailey can work on Barzell's top line, and I think that's going to be with Lee. That's going to be a trio for a little bit here. Uh, agreed. Nelson's line has just been substandard. I think Everly uh, will be good for Brock. Um, again, you know, Pajot needs to know who he's playing with. The Sezikis line needs to be much better. And, and honestly, you know, I, I could see, you know, I, I'm talking about getting Bellows with Nelson and Everly. And, and, and Bo with Pajot and Wallstrom or, you know, Bellows and Wallstrom with Pajot and, and and Bo with Nelson and Everly, you take your pick either way. I'm not including Zarnik in, in all this. I, I do think Zarnik deserves another look as well. And I'm wondering, you know, I, I know I talked about not breaking up the fourth line because they seem to be 
better together than when they're apart. But uh, I'm wondering if, uh, you know, maybe Zarnik could go in and, uh, for, uh, for Cal Clutterbuck a game or so and, and see how that looks. Um, let's see. Marcy asks the fourth line. And again, you know, here, here's that bugaboo again. The, the fourth line looks, for lack of a better term, done. Uh, you know, and that's a, a pretty definitive statement there, Marcy. Uh, the Islanders' success comes from them being physical and wearing down opponents, neither of which uh, the fourth line is doing. Is it time to break them up? Uh, the same with the deep pairs outside of Adam Pellick, Ryan Pulak. Uh, Marcy believes they aren't working. And given, given everyone we have seen in and out of the lineup, and, and she's talking about Kiefer Bellows, Wallstrom, Dalkal, Timoshov, what are your ideal forward lines and D lines to get them on track and make them successful? Marcy, I agree Sezekis' line has not been what we've expected. It, it's been meh to sub-meh uh, this season. Um, I am not there yet. I'm not ready to go to to that line is officially done. Uh, I, I think we're way too soon with that, you know. And, and as mentioned, you know, off... Uh, if I'm making up the lineup right now, when Bo comes back, uh, it's it's the Lee Barzell Bailey, Bellows Nelson Everly, Bo Peugeot Wallstrom, uh, Martin Sezikis, Clutterbuck slash Zarnik, or you know that or maybe even Zarnik for Martin, um, something like that. Like I said, I do think Zarnik showed he deserves another look. Um, I'm just not sure where to slot him in. He, he's been a bottom six guy, but, you know, he was playing in the top six Sunday and he didn't look out of place. So, and he certainly, you know, like I said, was active on the power play. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, defensively, um, I, I, I really don't see Trotz. I, I agree. Pelic Pulak stays together. And then what do you want to, you know, Letty Mayfield and Green Dobson have been the other two. You know, if anything, maybe Sebastian Ajo in a game or two for Andy Green, maybe. Um, and if that's the case, do you, you know, I, I don't think you want to have Ajo with Dobson, two really young players like that with not a lot of NHL experience. So what do you do there? Maybe, uh, you know, if Ajo goes in, maybe that would be Letty Dobson, Ajo Mayfield, question mark. Um, let's see. Michael asks, uh, is part of the inconsistency in the Islanders lineup that they keep changing lineups? Maybe they need to stick with some combo of Bellows, Wallstrom, Michael Dow calls Zarnik for a bit of a run. And yeah, Michael, this is, uh, you know, again, in line with the other questions and uh, not too hard to see what Islander fans are concerned about through the opening part of this season here is particularly coming off that 0-3 and 2 road trip. Look, Barry Trotz says he's looking for some lineup consistency. He just hasn't found it. And really, other than that Matthew Barzell line, uh, you know, he, he, um, he hasn't found it amongst his forward lines. Three of his forward lines have not been consistent. So, you know, you got to see what happens when Bo comes back. But uh, again, you know, uh, I keep saying this Lee, Barzell, Bailey, Bellows, Nelson, Everly, Bo, Pajot, Wallstrom, and then maybe Zarnik going in on the fourth line somewhere. Uh, that's 
that's where my head is at. Um, and then lastly, and uh, 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 forgive me, uh, this is from Dr. Derek, and uh, this was a question I failed to include in episode 67, so I am, I am getting this one in for Dr. Derek, uh, who is very understanding when I apologize to him for forgetting his question, but uh, Dr. Derek says, I've been disappointed to see the fan cardboard cutouts have been relegated to the rafters. Uh, does the uh, MSG Network have any plans to highlight these better? Wouldn't these serve much better in a lower bowl section? I hope you can use your platform to push the, for this. Well, I don't know if uh, this platform is, is going to move the cardboard cutouts around. And, and you know, they're behind the goals. They're in the sections behind the goals. Um, I don't think you can have them in the lower bowl from where the the television cameras are because you might wind up blocking out some of the view, which I don't think you can do. Here's my understanding. MSG Networks was trying to highlight the the, the cardboard cutouts uh, a lot, much more than they did in the first two home games, but the uh, uh, the network just found that the Coliseum lighting, it was just too dark. It, it really didn't come out as anything, you know. So I, I, I think uh, with three games coming up, I, I, my understanding is MSG Networks does want to get the cardboard cutouts involved in the broadcast. They're looking for ways to do this. Uh, a, a little bit better and and you know uh, I, I guess there are certain jokes made about the cardboard cutouts but it is a way of keeping the fans involved in the game and let letting the fans know that they're, they're missed at the Coliseum and, and look everyone is missing the fans honestly I mean you know the the players are missing the boost that comes from that both at home on the road you know the, the Islanders struggled through this road trip and, you know, even being booed might have pushed them a little bit, you know, and at home, certainly we know how loud the Coliseum can get, how raucous it can get. We're missing that. Me, a media member, you know, I, 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 I sorely notice the difference at the Coliseum without fans. It, 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 it's sort of eerie being in that building. It, you know, I know they pump in the fake crowd noise, but it, it's quiet and, you know, there are a lot of times uh, before the pandemic covering games at the Coliseum. You, you come back upstairs after the interviews. You're sitting in the press box watching games and, you know, doing your, your late night writing. And you look out on the ice and they have the rec leagues going, you know, the, uh, the, the older men beer leagues and, you know, or even, you know, some of the, the younger kids. And, uh, you know, you can hear everything going on in the ice because there are no fans in the stands. And that's... The atmosphere is sort of the same. It's sort of like you're playing in front of your friends and family, except in the Islanders' case, it's just us media members. And, uh, you know, we're probably not in the friends category. So, uh, well, listen, thank you for the questions. Thank you again to Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News for his insight. Thank you all for listening. You can find all of our Islanders' content at newsday.com backslash aisles. And to get on board with Newsday Islanders texts, text 631-303-3766. That texting number again is 631-303-3766. Or go to newsday.com backslash Isles text 
to start your 14-day trial subscription. Happy hockey, everybody.